some of the gaps in the in a univ in a university setting. I don't want to speak for my university because they have me, and and I'd like to think I am bridging a, a pretty good gap. But you know, but we're not perfect because we often have big classes, and that's problematic in of itself. If you have a lab of forty students, you can't have forty students in squat racks um, that are novices and one teacher. Like you can imagine that situation and that's terrifying, right? So it's like having a bunch of ninth graders in a weight room, you know, and I work with ninth graders at a high school every winter. They're awesome, by the way. But yeah, usually I'm screaming. Kelly, anyway, um, so that that in of itself just the structure of how university is taught is a barrier right because you've got a big class and even a bad ratio so what we do with our students is we get them set up with in practicums or with the performance staff at the university they hold like a like an internship and they'll take a bunch of students that are interested in the performance piece a lot of students nowadays in my opinion, are less interested in high performance and more interested in like health, wellness, um, gen pop, clinical. So that's another another thing too, right? A lot of undergraduate programs in kinesiology are trying to cover every population. So it's not really until grad school that students are highly specialized. And I want to work with athletes. I want to work with clinical like cancer patients or stroke rehab. So you have to understand that a lot of university programs are not just centered. I mean, some are, but a lot are not just centered on high performance. So, you know, we can criticize these programs all we want, but they, they're not, they're not delivering good strength coaches, but that's because they're trying to teach a very broad palette of, of information. And hopefully the, what the students are getting and every university teacher will say this, this ability to critically think well what does that mean right so i define it in first year because it's in the textbook i wrote you know what does it mean to be a skeptic and we go through a whole chapter on like of looking Can you at be skeptical and what it means to be yeah. A skeptic? yeah exactly so you know just challenging the status quo learning how to like we teach the students right away in first year that you know if you're looking for information probably go to a, a lit review or a meta-analysis first because that synthesizes all the information that, in that topic. And then there might be some studies that are within that analysis that you want to look deeper at. So we do teach the students that, and then that way that they can find good information. Now, that's assuming that the research yeah. is full of the stuff you and I do. Well, I'll tell you right now that there is no study that I have found, and I reviewed last weekend over 500 Um. It sounds like it's a lot, but it's not because I have a system. So I did it pretty quickly, but I reviewed 500 studies to look for a comprehensive exercise-based return to play program for ACL. There's nothing. So that's why I decided to start my course, ACL return to sport rehab course. It's an online course. I start tomorrow, the first cohort, cohort to teach them. These are the exercises you want people to be doing at each stage of rehab and that rehab shouldn't even be timeline-based because everybody's different. Everybody adapts at different rates. Like if you had a group of freshmen in your weight room, Justin, would they all adapt exactly the same at the same rate? Nope. No, right? So 
how can we, so could you imagine putting a timeline on your freshman to hit, to hit a two times body weight front squat? Could you do that? Could you put a timeline on that? No, okay, but so I would, why are we, you know, why are we doing that in research? I would say that insurance companies, I would say that insurance companies for the return to play and then the surgeons mm-hmm. that perform the surgeries, they're the ones that want to just, that is my initial response. You're absolutely right. We can play that game with the insurance companies and we can, we can write our reports with that, but that's not necessarily how we're going to practice. And that's unfortunate. Correct. You know, so with with universities and with preparing your audience, new strength and conditioning coaches, you're not going to learn how to coach exercise very well at school. You're going to learn about prescription of exercise. That's easy. Anyone can write a program. That's easy. Coaching is the hard part. And and I'm not saying you need to go and start taking leadership training courses and communication courses. I'm talking about knowing precisely what the criteria is for optimal movement. It's within a frame too. It's not like a dot, like on a bullseye. It's, it's a frame that's optimal. And then knowing how far away this person is from optimal. And then you have to figure out how to get them here by using pedagogical strategies, just teaching right? Proper progressions and a good understanding of motor learning, how people learn. And it's not all about cueing. I know that a lot of people think that if I externally cue, magic shit is going to happen. It doesn't. I internally cue all the time. You know, and it, and I know the kids I work with know how to do, know how to do things well, because what'll happen is I'll send them off to say somebody else and they'll coach them. And like, when I sent one kid to, to Chris, when he was at SFU, he was like, Carm, like this kid moves like a genius. Like he moves so well, good job. I'm like, of course he does. <laughs> you know, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was, I was like, yeah, you know, like I've spent time with him. I've coached him. Right. Or I take um, my buddies guys that are at the other university. And if I'm prepping them for some combine stuff, um, I, I usually, when I have Joe's athletes, they all move like really well, really well. Like, okay, do this. And I'll make them do a drill they've never done before, but because they understand movement from a place of concept and a place of principle, then all this other stuff. But we tend to teach from like this other stuff, do this drill, do this drill. How about what are the commonalities in the movement between all five of these drills and just teach that. And then they'll be able to do all five of these drills. That's what pedagogy is. And it's a lot, movement is a lot more simple than people are making it seem like on the internet. It's not complicated. It, it, you know, and, and you just need to spend time coaching people. And guess what? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to ask them to do things. You're going to say, Hey, well, try it like this. And you'll be like, Oh no, never mind. Don't do that. You know, and, and, but that's okay. There's, there's some trial and error, but that's what's that's what university is typically missing. And I also think universities need to do more oral exams. So I do an oral lab exam in my course. What's that look like? So, uh, so the students have three stations, and um, one station is like an intake process, like the interview process with the initial client. Could be an athlete, could be 
you know, and then they move to my station where they, um, from a laundry list of like 50 different tests, they'll have to do three. So they have to memorize the protocols for every single test. Mm -hmm. And then the third station is movement. So they have to coach their, because they're in partners, they have to coach their partner on like a squat, a deadlift, a lunge, a pull, a push, or rotational exercise. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. that's no joke so what are the tests that they can choose from for the the different protocols okay so the the test could be anywhere from a ymca cycle ergometry submaximal aerobic test oh to a acl return to play um single leg squat qualitative test to a shoulder range of motion goniometer test to a shoulder range of motion qualitative test you know, the one where you're just laying on your back, you flatten your low back, you bring your arm like that test that might be on it. Um, hamstring length, um, the Thomas test for hip flexor length. So we cover each lab covers a different component. We'll do a mobility lab. We'll do a strength lab. We'll do a power lab. You read my mind. Cause I was like, that sounds yeah. like there could be a di like, could somebody only pick the mobility? You're like, no, no, no. You need a mobility, a strength, and then a, you know, conditioning. Exactly. So each lab, like Last night was our first week of the term. So it's all intake in lab one. So we do resting vitals. I think athletes should have their blood pressure taste testing. Okay. All you strength coaches that love these isometric mid thigh pull, um, scared dog, butt uh, drill, did you test their blood pressure before you had them do these things? Right? Like we can't assume nowadays that every athlete is healthy. I also so, want to test resting heart rate because I think that's your easiest way to prove that you've improved their absolutely. conditioning right there. Like, 100%. If they're over 60 BPM and they're a soccer player, then they got some work to do. So we do resting heart rate. Yeah, resting blood pressure. We do some girth measurements just so they understand like how to do those um, because that's for gen pop. That's lab one. Lab two, we do movement screening. And I have a whole bunch of different movement screens and we criticize them. We, we don't just do FMS. We do a few different ones. Um, and then lab three, we measure uh, balance and core trunk endurance. And we do a little bit on is there, what is core stability? Is this a thing? Like, how do we measure it? And we, what, we, what the students learn is that they can't eat. There's no way to measure core stability. There's no way, there's no test for core stability yet. Every therapist says, well, that person lacks core stability. And then I'll say, well, how did you measure that? I always say, how that. do you know? Their glutes but are you weak. And we I put know them on a table if... and we push their leg down. Exactly. But you and I know if someone lacks core stability, if we're watching them change direction, Yeah. like if they're, they're moving like, you know, like jello, like a bag of milk, we know that we've got some work to do, right? So you're of my generation, so you know what a bag of milk is. The younger people will be like, milk used to come in a bag? Oh. Yeah, dudes. It used to come in a bag. You used to have to cut <laughs> the end off and stick it in a Tupperware container. Google that shit. Okay, so, but we can see that, right? We can see that's just overall lack of strength. Then we do um, some maximal aerobic speed testing in another lab. We do submaximal aerobic testing and predicted testing in another lab. We do a mobility lab. And flexibility lab, we do an ACL return to play lab, and we criticize all the hop testing, 